Kitchen Rudimental, a series in which chef and author Annie Smithers investigates the very basics of kitchen craft. Annie Smithers, hello. Hello, Jonathan Green. Now, listeners may not know this, but they may well, but I'll tell them anyway. Annie's practice... <laughs> as a, a medical one? As a food professional, is to grow what she cooks. That's fair, isn't it? That is fair. I have nurtured a kitchen garden for 14 years now. Wow. So it, it, it has been a long time and it is... And you, you, you kind of, apart from your sort of stock vegetable sort of stuff that you occasionally buy in, you're pretty self-sufficient. I am very self-sufficient now. So... We buy citrus in because it's too cold where I am to grow a lot of citrus. We do have a bit undercover, but not year-round supply. And we buy, I buy stock vegetables So when I'm because I make you know, big stocks a lot of the time and I use celery, onions and carrots for those. And quite often I will buy the celery. Most of the carrots will come and go. And I'm very lucky to be friends with an onion breeder. <laughs> and my my friend Ross, the These onion breeder, um, he drops off bags of onions at my back door and I'll just come oh, into the lovely Ross's onions. So I don't buy a lot of onions and I don't grow onions because I am friends with Ross, the Can, can I breeder. say too that one of, the, one of the great disappointments as a supermarket shopper is approaching the onions and having to ferret around for anything that's halfway sort of firm and... I don't have that problem at all. I have these and all sorts of breeds of onions. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact that there is professional onion growers out there just is... A, oh, that's it's great. So I love it. So given this expertise of Annie's, she is a very much a, a paddock-to-plate chef at a restaurant de Fermier in Trentham in central Victoria. We thought we might talk about the kitchen garden because that's something which increasingly I think people, are, you know, if they have the space, well, it doesn't even require a great amount of space. If, if there's an inclination to sort of grow a few things for the table in your, to be productive in your home gardening adventures. I think there's more than an inclination, but if we go backwards a little, mm. pre-1960s, you know, yeah. Australia, with its its long obsession with home ownership, yeah, there was always space for a little vegetable garden out there. Chooks, chooks, veggies, and a lemon tree. And a lemon tree. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yes. And you know, this was part of the fact that there was there was a cult, there was very much a culture of you know growing basic stuff for the household, which was you know it was often tended by dad. Mm. I think dad went outside and uh, grew veggies to escape <laughs> the children. beer in one hand and the hose in the other. And a cigarette in the third. <laughs> but it's also part of the wonderful Australian migrant tradition. So, you know, it's where, you know, a lot of Greek and Italian families in the early migration waves sort of, you know, they had to grow things that they really wanted because they couldn't purchase them. You know, when you think about all the vegetables that came with the Vietnamese refugees, and things is that these have all become very much part of what Australians eat. You know, we are the sum of our migrant past and, you know, we do thrive on growing and cooking those vegetables. But we lost... For we lost large part, it. Lost that yeah, the garden. general population, sort of, with the influx of the sixties, seventies, and eighties, is you know the supermarket was king, and now twenty years on from you know nineteen ninety or so, twenty thirty years on, we're seeing a much more 
a proactive approach to knowing where our food comes from, knowing how it's grown. Mm. And we are turning back the pages to saying, I want to grow some food at home because I want to utilise the land that I have, whether it be a postage stamp of a backyard in an inner city suburb or whether it be quarter of an acre in the suburbs or like me, 20 acres out in the country. So it's about utilising that land to feed yourself so being being attached to the food that you grow, but also knowing that you've grown it and knowing how you've grown it. But also the revelation that that food, it will have, yes, you'll know about its provenance and all the detail about how it was raised. It'll also taste better and it'll also potentially come from varieties that you're going to struggle to find in shops. You, you have all that suddenly at your disposal. You do, and it is something that I... I think about a lot when you know with the restaurant is that vegetables and fruit have such high levels of water in them. This means that there's various exploitations and things that happen in the mass market. So if you have, say, a vegetable like a carrot or a cucumber mm -hmm. that has a lot of water in it, is you can grow it commercially with with a few additives to help it along its way, but it can have a huge amount of water in its construction and be quite tasteless. Whereas you can home grow some wiggity carrots. Make them and, suffer a bit and they yeah. taste better. Well, they do because, <laughs> you've well, A, you're paying the supermarket giants or the grower giants a lot for water that's packaged as a carrot or a cucumber, for example, but you've, you're losing flavour with that. Mm. So if you're growing them at home, you, you don't irrigate them in the same way, you don't force them in the same way. They often take longer to grow, but that length develops flavour. That leads us, I think, to the, the sort of the foundation question for the, the budding kitchen gardener. Mm. What's it going to be worth my while putting in? What's going what's gonna to give me, in that space that I have, some, some real bang for my buck? Um, not, sorry, not just my buck, but also my time and my effort. I, look, having grown vegetables for, you know, all these years, is I have to say that it would be cheaper to buy them. It's not, yes, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not, save the, money, it's not yeah. going to save you money. It is going to give you a notion of how precious our, our food is. You know, security mm. is because it it's one little mistake and you can lose things very easily. So it's not farming or gardening. It's it's growing food that nurtures you and keeps you alive. Well, it's also going to teach you the, the fundamentals of seasonality. Yes. That you yeah. cannot actually have a Brussels sprout yeah. 24 months of the year, no, even if there are only 12. You <laughs> can't have a Brussels sprout at every moment, even if you wanted one. So so the first question is, is what is it that you like to eat? What is it that you and your family like to eat? What is the thing that makes you happy? So, you know, a lot of people start with having a nice little herb patch because having access to fresh herbs means that you can go out into the garden, pick a bit of this, pick a bit of that and season up something and think, gosh, didn't that make a difference to our dinner? It's a really yeah. simple way to go about it. And with plants that are very generous. Very generous. Parsley, mm. rosemary, 
basil, oregano, thyme, savoury, winter and summer savoury. They're pretty plants that you can often sneak in amongst other things or you can have little planters of them on a windowsill. They can be an addition to your cooking that is not hugely labour-intensive. You just have to remember to water them and that they are seasonal. I would say the next step then, I mean, and, and herbs tremendously rewarding but but great for confined space great for people who aren't gardeners necessarily yep. who who don't you know have the green thumb all the time to cultivate one. yeah i'd say next step could i guess yeah would be i'd say lettuces yeah salad grains yeah. so again yeah the salad the salad family is a very you know it's a very easy thing and it tastes vastly different to what you buy. Mm. So again, a lot of a lot of salad varieties that you buy, you know, from the big producers are grown hydroponically. So they're grown with water and nutrients in the water and they grow incredibly quickly. There's never been a lot of goodness in a lettuce. It's not like it's packed full of all the good things for you, but we all love salad. And it is part of you know, our cooking to have good, good lettuce. And it has, again, been one of these products that over the last 40 years has diversified dramatically yeah. in our, you know, in the Australian vernacular of it used to just be an iceberg lettuce. Now we have a myriad of lettuces and lettuce, you know, cresses and you know, sprouts and microgreens and it goes on and on. To the point where an iceberg lettuce is a bit of a treat and a novelty. Well, an iceberg lettuce is a treat and a novelty. And if we look back at the floods and COVID and all of that, when lettuces were what, I don't know, $100 each or whatever they got to, is it? it's an extraordinary thing that when your lettuces go through the roof cost-wise, everybody panics. Growing an iceberg lettuce at home... It's, it's a tricky it's and tricky. lengthy operation. It's a tricky and lengthy operation. They get burnt by the sun. They can be little slug apartment blocks. You can cut them in half and realise that you've been housing, you know, a strata of slugs, you know, slug upon slug upon slug that have eaten their way through. You know, they are not vegan lettuces by any or vegetarian. They're they're very meaty lettuces. So they're not they're not always easy. So a lot of people like to grow the cresses, things that are known as cut and come again things. But that's where that's where my fascination with plants is really and when growing stuff, you know, for so long is I've learned so much about it. So we we do grow a lot of heading letters lettuces because I think a good heading lettuce is a it's a beautiful beautiful thing it has a crunch and a flavor to it that is has gone from the commercial ones so we grow butter lettuces and iceberg lettuces with slugs without slugs mainly with slugs because we don't use pesticides which means you have to wash them very carefully but we also grow cut and come again stuff which is not always my favorite but it also teaches me things so when I look at mizuna and my boona which and tatsoi and rocket they're all part of the brassica family they Mm. have the same seed shape as broccoli cauliflower cabbage rabe it's amazing and they're 
they like to be eaten little, by the white cabbage dark, moth. Dark round little round seeds. Yeah. So it starts to educate you about you know, what right, your groups of from? yeah, where did this come from and who who am I related and when to? When your unattended rocket shoots into those little yellow flowers, yes, that are identical bolts, to... they're the same yes. as your broccoli flowers. So it teaches you know, if you take the time, it teaches you about what you're actually eating. Mm. And when I say that a lettuce hasn't had you know, doesn't have you know all of that many vitamins and minerals and all those good things for you, we know that you know the broccoli family does have more. So you know, should you be eating those lettuce greens instead of a nice you know, a nice butter lettuce. I'd still take the butter lettuce. The tricky thing, and I'm, I'm just struggling with this myself, and this is trying to work out the rhythms of this and the sort of the, the systems of planting so that, okay, you want to have lettuce for the family. Yes. Therefore, you need, you, you can't just plant a whole lot and Because it'll eat all it, be ready all be at gone. the same time. Well, exactly. If you buy a punnet of lettuce seedlings, you might have 10 lettuce seedlings in there. Someone told me years ago, and I don't know whether this is true or not, if you keep goldfish in a small bowl, they will never get bigger. But if you put them in a big bowl, they <laughs> do. Is yes. that, I don't know I, if that's I true. Think there is an element that? of truth. There is an element that. of truth. Yes. So if you are not going to raise your own seeds, I would plant out, say, half of your lettuces and then keep your other half neatly in your little seedling tray and don't expose the roots where you cut the other ones out. And I would put them in a fortnight later, keep them alive. And that stunts them. That They don't grow very much. They're used, they're used up you know, all the nutrients in that little bit of soil that they're in. So they're sort of a bit stumpy. And then I would put them in a week or two weeks later so that you have plantings that are successive plantings. I think that's the great trick in the, the kitchen gardening is to learn the rhythms of the thing mm. and the rhythms are small and the rhythms are large yeah. and the small rhythms are and having a sequence of lettuce, the bigger rhythms are seasonal. The bigger rhythms are those things that take yeah three months or mm. six months or 12 months to grow. So we work very, we don't grow biodynamically in terms of all the you know, the buried horn and all of those things. But we do plant to the biodynamic calendar. And that alerts us to when is the best time of the moon's phase to plant this seed or this vegetable. And that helps us with that transgression. So at this time of the month, we'll put in the next lot of brassicas. And then again, in the next month, we'll put in some more brassicas and then we'll put in some more. So it's a very disciplined approach. But that also takes, because we're, we're quite cold where we are, and this is not something that, you know, if you're in northern New South Wales, you can grow anything any time of year, I think. We have to take into account how the soil is, whether it's hot or whether it's, whether it's getting hotter or whether it's getting cooler. So we can't plant much after March in a normal year because the soil temperature drops, it fails to thrive, and it's a waste of time. So there's a beginning, uh, some thoughts on the kitchen garden, and there's so much more to say. Shall we talk about the bigger vegetables next time? I think let's talk about the bigger vegetables and let's let's talk about the, the sort of physical mechanics too, yep. of All right. your plot and your space and, okay. and what you do. All right. So we'll come back. We'll have we'll have kitchen gardens part Rudimentals. two. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, Eddie. Think bigger about the world we live in. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.